0: As I mentioned in our last set of videos from the last section, we are going to move into integrals that are more complicated than the ones we've looked at so far. So let's just start this one off. This is substitution and properties of the definite integral, or of definite integrals. And our first example is actually how we're going to start this one. Evaluate the integral from 0 to 4 of x times the square root of the quantity x squared plus 9. Now, in order to know how to evaluate this, we want to first look at it as if it were just an indefinite integral. So, if you wanted to evaluate x times the square root of x squared plus 9 dx, what would you need to do? You can see what makes this more complicated is the fact that it requires substitution, right? We've got composition happening here in this integrand. So we need to figure out a substitution to make so that we can evaluate this indefinite integral first. Once we get the indefinite integral, that'll tell us the antiderivative of the x times the square root of x squared plus 9 and then we can take that antiderivative and plug in four and then minus 0 plugged in using the fundamental theorem. So first we need to find that antiderivative. We could call it capital F of X if you'd like, just to justify why we can set this up with an indefinite integral first. So I have this thing here. I'm going to use a substitution of letting u equal x squared plus 9 because I've seen these before a lot, but also, because the square root of a sum makes it difficult, right? If it were just the square root of x squared, then we could rewrite that using the properties of exponents, and then we could integrate that way. But because of the plus 9, I can't do that right away. So the the x squared plus 9 is the thing that suggests maybe should be the substitution. The other reason why I let u equal x squared plus 9, if you recall from that section a while ago, du is, 2x dx, remember that? 2x dx. We have x dx in the integrand right here. What we don't have is the 2. We can either put it in and then take it out with a 1 half, or we can solve for the x dx that's in the integrand, and we get 1 half du. So 1 half du is what I put in place of x dx, and then in place of x squared plus 9, I put u. Once I get the antiderivative, then I can use the fundamental theorem and plug in the four and the zero and subtract. So I'm going to say that capital F of x is equal to the integral one half du u to the one half power. Okay, so we have one half integral u to the one half du. Now at this point I can anti differentiate. I have u to the 1 half plus 1, which is 3 halves. And if you recall, I could say times 2 thirds, the reciprocal of 3 halves, out front. Plus c, technically, right? We'll put that in for now. Then I I cancel the twos. And I'm going to replace my u back again with x squared plus 9. Now, we're always doing that when we anti-differentiate with substitution. But I also want to point out why we need to do that because our limits of integration, if this is a dx integral, our limits of integration are x equals 0 and x equals 4. These numbers are implied to be x's. Remember those lines, those vertical lines, x equals 0 and x equals 4. So I have to go back to my x variable. So everything needs to be in terms of x. I still have a 1 out front, in case you were wondering what I was doing, <laughs> 1 u to the 3 halves power. Plus c. Now, when I do this, I have the square root of x squared plus 9 quantity cubed plus c. Or if you want to leave it like this, actually, that's fine for now, too. Now, the point is we want a definite integral, and a definite integral of as you may have noticed, is a number usually, right? It's a number, it's not a function, or in this case a family of functions. We need to take this antiderivative, this is capital F of X, and we need to apply the fundamental theorem. So I have to, up here, I'll go up here, take F of 4 minus F of 0. So I put in the one, I take the one third and I have a square root and I put in four quantity squared plus nine cubed. And then I have to say minus one third square root zero squared plus nine quantity cubed. So, what I've done is I've replaced my x with 4, and then I replace it with 0, and I put subtraction in between. So, when I simplify this, I made up this problem to not be too bad with the arithmetic. I have 1 third the square root of 16 plus 9, which is 25. Can I just write that? I have something else I want to do coming up. So, I'm just going to say 25, and instead of putting, instead of cubing first and then taking the square root, can I take the square root first and then cube? Either order is fine. So I've got 16 plus 9 is 25. I'm going to take the square root first just because I can, and then I'm going to raise to the 13rd, or sorry, to the third power. So I have minus one third. And then I have the square root of 9. Again, I'm going to take the square root first and then I'm going to cube it. Again, if you can take the square root first, I recommend it. So I have 1 third, and then I have times 5 cubed minus 1 third times 3 cubed, which is one, 125 over 3 minus 3 squared, basically, right? But I might as well leave it as 27 over 3 so I can combine my two fractions. I have 125 over 3 minus 27 over 3, which, when I subtract, I get 98 thirds. That's my integral. That's a definite integral. And this one, um, from 0 to 4, this does actually represent the area, I believe, because that function is non-negative on the interval 0 to 4. So this would also be the area under the curve from 0 to 4, if you wanted to look at that. Now, this technique is fine. It works. It also, much to many of our instructor's chagrin, it tends to be what students try to stick to when they have a problem like this to do. Now, my job is to encourage you to use the technique that I think is the most convenient, the most elegant, and the most, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, the quickest way to do the problem. So, I have another technique, it's not mine, but we have another technique that you can try to evaluate this integral. And what it involves is called changing the limits of integration. So it's not, it's not that complicated. In fact, once you get the hang of it, I, th- I think you're going to agree that it's actually easier because there's less writing, which is always nice. You know how we math people are about that. And, and there's, in some ways, less likelihood of making mistakes as well because of that. So once I identify my substitution, u equals x squared plus 9, And I identify, just as before, that du equals 2x dx. So in place of x dx, I put 1 half du. I'm going to make a little skeleton integral, 1 half du. And then I'm going to have u to the 1 half. And the x dx is encompassed in the 1 half du. So I'm good there. But now, instead of evaluating this integral, before I do that, I'm going to put new limits in. And so I'm going to go back to this original. I'm going to remind you one more time. This is x equals 0 and x equals 4 because it's a dx integral. What I'm going to do is I'm going to change those limits. Instead of being in terms of x, I'm going to make them u values. So if you'd like to make a little table, you can. I always used to just list it, but it's, it's nice to put it in a table. Put your first, your lower limit of integration in for x. x is 0. Now, if x is 0, then u is 0 squared plus 9. Maybe I should write that the first time, right? 0 squared plus 9. And that's equal to 9 back again. And then if I put the 4 in, then I have u is x squared plus 9. So that's 4 squared plus 9, which might seem less convenient because it's kind of a big number, right, 25? But, knowing what you do about this integral and the square root involved, you might realize, oh, maybe that 25 is kind of nice, right? Better than at least 24 or 21. So, in place of x equals 0, I'm going to put my new limit of integration on the bottom. My lower limit of integration now is u. And you don't have to write the u equals 9. So, you would write 9 and you would write 25. And I'm going to write u just to remind you that it's not an x, but it's a u. So now I'm integrating everything in terms of u. Because a definite integral is a number, I don't ever have to go back to x now. And you'll see what, how that works in a minute. So I'm going to just evaluate this new integral, 1 half u to the 1 half du from 9 to 25. I integrate u to the 1 half, and I get, again, u to the 3 halves times the reciprocal 2 thirds Adding 1 to the 1 half gives me 3 halves times the reciprocal. Then I'm going to, right off the bat, evaluate this from 9 to 25. So then I can cancel my twos, because it's all multiplication here, right? And I can say 1 third u, which is, um, let me go ahead and put it in, parentheses, u is 25 to the 3 halves minus the other u is 9 to the 3 halves. And notice I put the 1 all the way out on the outside so I wouldn't have to deal with it. And I would only have to deal with it once, I should say. So I have 1 third, parentheses. What's 3 halves power 25? Remember that the number on top is the exponent of the base, and the number on the bottom of the fraction is the kind of radical you have. So you have a square root of 25. Remember, if you can do that first, do that, it'll make your life easier. So we're going to take the square root of 25 and then all we have to do is cube it. Might look familiar, right? Minus the square root of 9 I'm going to do first. That's 3 and then I'm going to cube it. So I have 1 third times 125 minus 27, this should look familiar, 98 over 3. And just check my subtraction. You know, I did that in my head. 15 minus 7 is 8. I borrowed 1 from the 12, so 11 minus 2 is 9. So 98 thirds is the definite integral that we started with in the first example. Now, I just want to point out to you the length of each problem. When we did it the original way, all the way back at the beginning, we had the integral here. We made our substitution. We found the antiderivative. I kind of ignored the c, didn't I, when I came up to the next step. But notice I had to put it back in terms of x. Then when I did the f of 4 minus f of 0, then I realized I'd have c minus c. So I didn't write it anymore. I didn't mention that, but it was there. So and then I have 1 3rd square root minus 1 3rd, another square root. Then I had to simplify. Then, and then I had to do some more simplifying and finally get the answer. Whereas in the second step, I made my substitution. Just as before, I find out what my new differential is. du is 2x dx. So I replace x dx with 1 half du right here. I put u to the 1 half. Then I just go ahead and change my limits. If x is 0, then that means u is 0 squared plus 9. Or um, we put in this handy dandy table right here. We have 9. And then when x is 4, we had 4 squared plus 9, or 25. So now that we have our limits in terms of u, this is the important part. You do not have to put it back for x. A lot of students, if they do it this way, then they think they they still have to put x back in. So you you don't have to do that because you've changed these to be in terms of u. So you kind of have to keep track of that. I suggest that you pick one technique and stick with it, so that you don't mix the two techniques. If you change the limits, now they're u values, you do not have to go back to x. And that's an advantage, because there's less writing, and sometimes less arithmetic to do. For some reason, it just feels like that. So I get an answer of the same answer, 98 thirds, using this technique. So for the rest of these examples, I'm going to use the second technique. You can verify, if you'd like, using the longer way, which is putting back in for x and then using the original limits of integration. Those are x equals numbers. But I'm going to do it the shorter way from from here on out. So let's go to the next example. We have negative 1 to 0, xe to the negative x squared in our way. Do we have any here? If you'd like, pause for a minute and see um, how much of this you can get on your own, because that's really a, a big advantage for you in the long run. You have constant coefficients, and you also have a kind of complicated integrand, right? It's not something we can evaluate just right off the bat. So we're going to need substitution. All right, factoring out that 1 that's my constant coefficient. I don't want to have to deal with fractions right now. Then I have negative 1 to 0, xe to the negative x squared, dx. Now I have to deal with the fact that I have negative x squared in the exponent of e. We only know the antiderivative of e to the u. So I've got to do something to deal with that e to the negative x squared. So chances are since I only know e to the u as an antiderivative, maybe I should let u equal negative x squared, right? So I'm going to say let u equal negative x squared but then if I'm going to make that substitution, I need to make a substitution for the differential dx as well, hopefully for the differential dx times x2, right? We don't want that x in there anymore. So I'm going to have negative 2x dx. Okay, That's good, because up to this point, we don't have a technique for making the substitution unless x is part of du, right? Any variable factors need to be a part of our du if they're not part of u themselves. So x dx, I've got the negative 2 times x dx. That I can deal with. That's just a constant coefficient, right? So x dx is, I divide both sides by negative 2, and that's negative 1 half du. So I replace x dx with negative 1 half du. So I have 1 fourth times negative one-half du then I have e to the u but now I'm talking about a definite integral so I've got to change my limits of integration so if you want to make a little table over to the right you can say x and then u equals negative x squared the original x in the lower limit was negative one so I plug negative one into x and I get positive 1 when I square it but then I have a negative still so when x is negative 1 u is still also negative 1 and when x is 0 when I plug that in these limits of integration didn't change that's just the nature of the limits themselves so when x was negative 1, u was still negative 1, and x was 0, u was still 0. So not a great example that way, but my apologies for that. But the technique is still the same. Plug in for x and get a u value. So technically, I'm, I'm going still from negative 1 to 0, even though I have changed my limits to now be u values. So when I do that, I have 18, and then I have... The integral of e to the u du is just e to the u back again, and then I go from negative 1 to 0 again. So that's the thing that I have to evaluate. The antiderivative evaluated at 0 minus the antiderivative evaluated at negative 1. And I'm going to make it a little easier for myself. I'm going to put the negative out front, parentheses, e to the 0 minus e to the negative 1. So when I simplify, I have negative one-eighth. What's e to the zero? That's right, it's one, minus one over e. So I have negative one-eighth, one minus one over e. And if you don't see it in that form, maybe they got a common denominator, right? This is a denominator of e, so I multiply top and bottom by e, and I get e minus one over e. Or, even more tricky, they could distribute the negative 1 in, which, what does that do to a subtraction? That makes a negative e plus a positive 1, or 1 minus e, all over 8e. This might be the form you see the answer in. All three of these are equivalent, but you might see this and think you did something wrong with the sign, right, because you see things in the opposite order. It's because of the negative 1 eighth out in front. So remember, when you, when you multiply a difference by negative 1, another way to write it is the same difference but in the opposite order. So instead of e minus 1, when you multiply e minus 1 times negative 1, that's the same as 1 minus e. Then we have over 8e at the end. So that's this example. Technically, I used a change of limits, but it turned out to be the same limits. So that wasn't very interesting. But this is certainly something you want to keep in mind, rewriting the problem, the answer. OK, our last example here for now. The integral from negative 1 to 2, x over 1 plus x squared dx. Now, if you look at that for a minute, you can see that definitely is not something that you can uh, find the integral of just right off the bat. So you can see that you're going to need a substitution. Now, this time, where is the substitution? A lot of times the substitution is going to need to be the thing in the denominator, right? Because we don't have a whole lot of answers for antiderivatives of things in the denominator. In fact, the only one I can think of, unless you just rewrite, say it's 1 over x squared and you rewrite it, I can think of one special case and this might be it. So what are we going to do to deal with that 1 plus x squared in the bottom? We need a substitution, right? So if we let u equal one plus x squared, then du is again two x dx. We have x dx fortunately in the numerator. We have x and we have dx. So if we solve for that, x dx is one half du. So I put 1 half du in place of x dx. And in place of 1 over x, plus, ah, excuse me, 1 over 1 plus x squared, I put 1 over u. And the only problem is I started with a definite integral, and right now I have an indefinite integral. I don't have limits of integration. So I've got to change my limits. I'm going to make a little table x and u is 1 plus x squared. My lower limit of integration is negative 1. So u is 1 plus negative 1 quantity squared. And that's 2. And my upper limit of integration is 2. And so u is 1 plus 2 squared. And that's equal to 5. So I replace negative 1 and 2 with 2 And 5. So my new limits are 2 and 5. Now everything's in terms of u, and I don't ever have to go back. So I have equals 1 half. What did you differentiate and get 1 over u to u? That's natural log absolute value u, right? Don't want to take the natural log of negative numbers or 0. So 1 half natural log absolute value u from... 2 to 5. So now all I have to do is put the one-half out front, put parentheses just to make it easier, and then I have natural log absolute value 5. Turns out I don't need the absolute value on this one, right? Minus natural log absolute value 2. So that's just one-half, natural log 5 minus natural log 2 without absolute values. Now the answer might be left this way, but Could you imagine any other way the answer might be left? Natural log 5 minus natural log 2. I like this example a lot because it reviews the properties of logs. Log A minus log B. That's another name for log A over B. So you could also say 1 half log 5 halves. So either one of these is correct. One of them is a little more compact. Although it requires two fractions, whereas this one only requires typing up one. So you might see either one in the back of a book or on a multiple choice test. Just wanted to point out one more time about that natural log absolute value. When I went from the integral 1 over u to u, I had to write natural log absolute value u. I said you don't want ever to take the natural log of a negative thing or zero, right? Well. You might say, well, the absolute value makes sure you don't take the natural log of a negative, but how come we don't have to worry about u being zero? If you look at the integrand up above, natural log absolute value u came from the integral of 1 over u du. There's an implied domain here that u cannot be zero, so you don't have to worry about that part of it. However, without the limits of integration, could you divide by a negative number? Could it be 1 over negative 2? Certainly you could be negative 2 based on this part right here, right? So you would want to consider that that 1 over a variable could be 1 over a negative variable. That's why we put the absolute values on the log. Now if you look one step up, 1 plus x squared will never be negative. so. Um, it turns out to be okay in this problem. That's why our limits of integration, 2 and 5, are positive, because 1 plus x squared is always positive, or uh, not even 0, always positive. So it turned out we didn't need the absolute values, but just in case, in some problems we do. So we're going to always put them in, and then when we plug in our limits, if we if we don't need them, then, then we can just go ahead and um, uh, lose them, as I did in the next step.